Welcome to Panelism, the podcast for the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask, and I'm recording this on March 25th, 2020. We are currently in the midst of a pretty bad global pandemic. I hope everybody is staying safe and healthy, and if you're stuck at home or having to self-quarantine, you know, this is a great time to get caught up on your TBR pile. Todd and I have pretty big ones ourselves, and um, we're starting to get through ours, so hopefully we'll have more books to talk about on upcoming episodes. On today's episode, however, I talk with the creative team behind a new graphic novel that just hit shelves. It's called Obscura, and it was written by Luke Cartwright and illustrated by Wukash Vinucek. If you like films like The Prestige or Gone Girl or real-life folk history, like the story of Bonnie and Clyde, this book is right up your alley. Uh, It's incredibly original, it's superbly illustrated, and the story of how these two guys came together is both fun and inspiring. If you've ever had a dream of creating your own story, or your own book, or your own film, I want you to listen to these guys. Uh, They spent over eight years developing this, and the final result is both worth the wait and just fantastic. I recorded our conversation earlier, and it's our first international episode. Uh, Luke is based in Sydney, Australia. Wukash is in Poland. Both of these gents were incredibly accommodating and flexible uh, in terms of their time and joining me at weird hours to do this. So thanks to you guys. A quick production note, there were a few minor audio issues I had to clean up, so apologies in advance if that's noticeable. I think I got most of them. Anywho, let's go now to my conversation with the guys. I'll be back at the end for some final housekeeping, and I hope you enjoy. I am here with creators Luke Cartwright and Wukash Vnucek. I hope I pronounced that right, Lukash or Wukash. Um, The team behind Obscura. I guess before we begin, Luke Cartwright in Sydney, Australia, correct? Yeah, that's right. Say hi. And then Wukash, you're in Lublin, Poland? Yes, that's correct. Fantastic. And um, just to clarify too, Luke, you are the writer. Uh, again, did you have like a co-writer too, or are you the main the main writer? I started off with uh, my best mate and next door neighbor, Aaron Nyages, who is a literary academic at the university here. And uh, we, he found some source material and we sort of started uh, writing together. And then soon enough, it became my obsession. And then eventually, Wukash's obsession as well. So... Was, Fantastic. Uh, and Wukash is the uh, amazingly talented artist. How did you guys get into comics? Um, and then how did you meet? The magic of the internet. Uh, hmm. So, well, I came at this from more from a screenwriting perspective. Um, the, the, the book was first written as a screenplay. And I just, being in Australia and not having a, um, a background in, in film yet... I thought the best way to get this thing up um, would be as a, a beautifully cinematic book. Um, and then I started poking around the internet and putting posts up and people were very interested in the story. And I had all these submissions from people with kind of quite an American, uh, you know, style. And then I saw this, you know, this work from Wukash, which is completely different. And to, to be honest, the reason I knew Wukash was my guy was that his old men and women, his old characters, just looked like they'd seen too much. You know, they mm. were just haunted and they, his, uh, especially his pencil work was just like really, um, it just spoke to me. And I knew, I, there was no, there was no um, 
you know, as soon as I found Wukash, I just shut it down and said, let's do this pretty much. Fantastic. Wukash, how did you, I guess, how did you enter the picture? Where were you when, when Luke found you? Um, frankly speaking, I just, I had just started uh, doing comics. So I was uh, working on my own title and then I saw this post uh, from Luke and the pitch was great, very interesting. And I, I sent him a couple of sketches because I didn't have much at the time. So they were basically just pencil, penciled images. And uh, that's, that's how we started. And where did you, you said posting, where did you, I guess, Luke, where did you post this project for, for Wukash to find you? Yeah, somehow I found this, uh, this website, which I believe was a website for a book at one point. And then it, it had this forum where a whole lot of artists congregated years after the, this book to whom the, the website was dedicated sort of disappeared. Anyway, it's, it's called Zwoll, I think, Z-W-O-L and, uh. That's where yeah, I found was gosh. Yeah, yeah. I wonder I if it's still going. That. I think, I think it might be. One thing we haven't touched on yet is the actual plot synopsis of Obscura. Luke, could you give me your thirty-second uh, bird's-eye view pitch? Well, the book is about a character called William Moria, who is a young mortician. He lives in a funeral home with his father, who is the undertaker, and um, in his childhood, he masters the art of. Uh, um, bit of mortician practice uh, and his father uh, being entrepreneurial has the only camera in Van Diemen's land and he exploits this um, new machinery as it was then by taking post-mortem photographs um, which so family photographs of people with their deceased son or daughter or father before they put them in the ground so that it's often their one opportunity for a family portrait anyway William grows up uh, and becomes a fraudulent spirit photographer. Talk, I guess, tell me more too about when, well, gosh, when you first read this script, did you, you, you have a very specific style for this book that I think works incredibly well, but did you, did that hit your head or hit, come into your brain? Like when you read that script or was that something that developed as you got to know Luke and got to know the story and his, I guess what he was wanting out of it? Uh, well, uh, one thing was obvious uh, from the start. Uh, so uh, when I read the script, I knew that uh, the pages had to have a lot, lots of black. And uh, frankly, at the beginning, we like fooled around with colors for a little bit, but uh, they weren't working at all. So eventually, we just resorted to grayscale and quite quite heavy inks and that was like um i don't know that was the first idea that i had after reading the script that it well, gosh, be... did you know the answer to this all the, all along and you just humored no. me as i as i explored no. all these other options <laughs> no not not really it just it just came out naturally i think Talk to me about some of your influences. Is is manga one of those, or is that just a happy coincidence? Uh, that's a very interesting observation because, uh, like, the only manga that I really read from the start to, be to the end was Vinland Saga, mm -hmm. and that's it. But because I really like, don't like uh, the genre. Uh, well, my biggest influence 
uh, are artists from French and Belgian, Belgian uh, comics uh, like uh, market. So uh, when it comes to inking, I have like this one influence that's just like above anyone else. And his name is Igor Baranko. I think he had some books uh, published by Humanoids in, in the US. So mm -hmm. you can check this out. Uh, and I've, well, I have all his comics books in black and white because there are colored edition too, but his blacks, his black and white editions are just, well, you can't compare them to anything else. Like when I started working on Obscura, I, I literally had some pages uh, printed and posted on my wall to look at them while drawing the Obscura pages. So the influence was there. Thanks for the Igor Baranko uh, reference. I'm going to look up all that stuff as soon as we're done recording. I'm a big humanoids fan. When you sent me the book, it, it looks beautiful. Like it's just really well done from a from a you know composition standpoint. But then I had sort of a certain idea of what it might be about. This is much more of a straightforward sort of story, and it's specifically set in Van Diem's land or Tasmania, which I was not, as an American, I was, you know, very, very lightly familiar with it in terms of the founding of Australia, but didn't really know much about what went on there. And, and, and when we drop into that world, it's, it's a world that's not that dissimilar from the American West in the 1800s around that same time. You know, there's a lot of misinformation and superstition and folk magic and just sort of, uh, uh, you know, people living very extreme kind of lives and trying to, you know, hang on to anything they have. And it's very life and death. What was going through your mind when you, when you kind of conceived of the story in that environment? Well, firstly, I should say that Tasmania is physically the most beautiful place ever. In fact, if you go there with a, a partner or someone, if you just travel there with someone, I think it's impossible not to fall in love with that person in Tasmania. It's just <laughs> very beautiful. But it's got the most hellish history. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a penal colony. So uh, in the UK, they rounded up all their, um, all their crims and sent them over on boats. And terrible things happened on the boats. And then when they, when they arrived, terrible things happened. Uh, and then there was an Aboriginal population, and this is, this is shocking, but there was an Aboriginal population who no, no longer exist at all. They were completely wiped out by the, um, by the invasion of the white people. Uh, so what attracted me to this place was this hellish backdrop, which I could extend so that it never became beautiful. It just mm. became mm -hmm. this just hellish haunted place. Some other terrible things happened there in the 90s, which um, precipitated our gun law changes. Uh, it's just, it's got an amazing history, just dark in many ways. And uh, it just seemed very fertile ground for some for a story like this. This felt like a book that could have easily have happened in, you know, a small town in Kansas, for example, or Colorado, where I am. Um, one of the touchstones was actually a town, uh, a place called Sardona. Is that right? Oh, Sedona, yeah. Sedona. So Sedona is uh, like a, it's a hippie town almost, mm -hmm. uh, or an alternative medicine town. And I got fascinated with Axel Rose's trips to Sardona in the 90s for exorcisms and uh, whatever else. And just, I, I was attracted to the idea of this town full of um, charlatans. And, mm. um, you know, Axel Rose found someone who wasn't in the phone book, who uh, I think he, he ended up, 
paying $700,000 for what um, was pretty much face peels, which yeah. I think is hilarious. Hmm. But then um, also, <laughs> Lukash, Wukash, you might not know this, but I was inspired a little bit by Seinfeld for the idea that everybody in this town is out to get them. You know, in Seinfeld, you never meet a good character. Everyone is nasty, has a t a terrible intentions. Uh, so sometimes the references come, or the inspiration come from places no one would expect. I was also just interested in the Victorian era and the way Victorians thought about death. They were surrounded by death and bodies and we are so squeamish now and we're so, everything's so sanitized. So to be able to exploit that difference was uh, really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lukash, or Lukash rather, what, tell me more, was this something, was this a story that you were or weren't familiar with or did you dive deeper into it as you were illustrating it? Did Luke have to fill in blanks for you? How familiar were you with this kind of a, this kind of a, a story? Just being from Europe, I, I wondered what that sensibility would be like. Uh, yeah, I was a little bit familiar with Victorian Britain, so I could pull some references from the, that place and time. Uh, but frankly, we, we had to research like a lot of a lot of things, like costumes, um, the actual camera they're using. Uh, so I, I guess I had to learn. Uh, a lot too. So, um, like the whole concept of, like, just look, uh, told, uh, uh, like, um, the way they treated death, I, I was aware that it was like that. I read some books uh, that, uh, well, expressed those ideas. So mm -hmm. it wasn't a surprise. And um, I think. Uh, it was one of the aspects of the, of the script that really that I really loved because uh, I'm a huge fan of dark humor and those like darkest stories. Mm -hmm. So I I really loved this the script because uh, uh, it was re really cr cleverly written. It wasn't like uh, horror from the start to the end, but uh, it pulled from different sources and well, it was quite exciting to, to join this adventure, I think. Yeah, I do like Luke, you, the thing you mentioned earlier on, it, this started off as a film script and I, I'm always sort of sensitive to comics or graphic novels that feel more cinematic. I actually really like that. I, I appreciate books that are distinctly for, you know, all the Alan Moore stuff can only really work as a comic book. And I appreciate that too. But I'm, I, I feel you, there's certain books you read, you're like, man, this either was written as a, you know, with a show in mind or should definitely be one. And I kind of felt that with this, I'm like this, I just kept in my mind thinking this, there's a cinematic quality to this. This would just be a really fun indie like you know almost like an a24 studio kind of movie just really interesting indie movie uh, is that something you know putting it out as a book did that change your thought process about what it could be do you like it better as a book or do you still think that this do you still have ambitions to make it a film at some point it, um if it went straight to cinema like if it had been picked up early on as a script not that i showed anyone i think it would have been a very literary sort of uh, a film anyway mm -hmm. but then through the making of the book, we it took us eight years, and 
I didn't stop writing for that time. Like poor old Wukash would get, would be drawing something and then he'd get a new script in his inbox. <laughs> um, so it was constantly changing and I certainly embraced the format. You know, there are things you can do in a graphic novel that you can't do in a film. Um, there, you know, there are things that you should avoid when you're screenwriting that you can completely do in a book. For, for instance, the letters that go back and forth between William and the editor of this publication you're reading is, you know, that's um, insight into, into the protagonist without it being some cheesy voice over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I always loved graphic novels and I found it very, um, it was just very, uh, it, it, it gave me a lot of freedom as a writer, that's for sure. And it allowed me to explore and develop the stories and the characters in the world in a way that just writing for screen never would have. So, yeah, I certainly will be um, making more graphic novels. That's for I'm sure. glad you brought up the, the correspondence. Right, right in the first page that we see is, is this character, E.L. Is it E.L. or E.I. Bloodworth? I think it's E.J. Bloodworth. E.J. Bloodworth, sorry. Um, who is, as you mentioned, is the publisher of this in-world publication. I, I love that device. I'm curious if you have, you know, if you ever wrote another graphic novel or did something else, would, would E.J. Bloodworth kind of reappear? Or do you, do you anticipate that being a character or a, a plot device that you could bring back in other stories and sort of use it again? Uh, while we were making the book, I got sidetracked with metafiction mm. and it almost, I, I had to shut myself down in, in the end because the, the metafiction was becoming so complicated. Um, but absolutely, I do see him playing more of a part. You know, the, the idea of this um, kind of Penny Dreadful newspaper was to um, kind of explain the, the fact that you're reading it in illustrations or mm-hmm. seeing it portrayed in illustrations. And I wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge that um, and ma- yeah, make it the work or, or the, the portrayal of something that was actually happening at the time from mm-hmm. the other side of the world. It is beautiful. It is really f- freaking well done. And just the fact that you guys did it by yourselves eight years. I mean, I can see why it took that long, just given the care and attention that went into it. Um, it was a fabulous collaboration. I think um, because Wukash's skills are completely different and completely complementary to mine, it was just an amazing relationship. You know, if I'd have... Um, collaborated with another writer or someone with a with a mind like mine, I think I would have been we would have been butting heads. But with mm-hmm. Wukash, it was just clear air the entire time, and um, I I was just appreciative of every page that I saw and this story that had been kicking around in my head coming to life slowly. And actually, I think Wukash must have done his ten thousand hours on <laughs> this project. So he be, he started off as yeah, he started off as someone with that did these amazing old characters who looked completely haunted, and then in the process of this book became an expert, which is wild to see. And the book was created in the order in which it appears in the book. And wow, Wukash, really? Yeah. So Wukash had to go back to the beginning and redo a lot of the stuff because his skills had had improved to um, such a great extent. Oh you know, man! Initial twenty pages were done again after I finished the book. So, wow! I'm just I'm flipping through it now, knowing that it was done linearly, and I can even see some of the more adventurous stuff that happens a little later. And I, I could see why that would line up with your skills at the time. That's wow! That is crazy! Wow. 
Um, I guess to close, uh, let's just tell the folks if, if somebody's out there listening to this and they're getting inspired or they're maybe working on their own book, um, maybe they just started, maybe they're several years into it like you guys were. Is there any advice you'd give, uh, you know, aspiring creators or aspiring artists just for anything you guys learned during this process? I think that as creators, um, there are there are ideas, and then there are uh, and then there are ideas. You know, you can find a good one and work at it, or you can wait for an idea that will just power you through years and years of hard work. Um, and that's what happened in this case. You know, it was it became an obsession. The premise and the idea had such power that it sort of drove us for years and. I think that's the idea that you're looking for and, and that's the uh, that's what you need to sustain yourself over the period of a long project. And then also I think compromises are accumulative and if you just um, refuse to compromise at any point, doing that for years and years for hundreds of decisions I think uh, leads to something pretty special. And when I think about Hollywood films and how many compromises went into those things, you can see why they're often generic and bland. And I think if you can refuse to compromise and just um, make decisions for the right reasons, I think you often end up with something pretty special. I love that. Wukash, do you have any any advice for aspiring artists out there? The only thing I can think of is keep hammering, keep doing the pages, and work on your craft, I think. That's the way to go. Also, if you find the script that really takes you to that special place where you can imagine the whole world um, is worth pursuing, I think. Because uh, when I first read the script, it was like in one go. I didn't have to stop and think and uh, ask what was going on. So it was so well written that the story just unfolded before my eyes. So uh, if if an artist finds a script like that, I think um, he or she should work on it very hard and make it happen. Uh, We spent a lot of time figuring out style early and then by the time we'd hit on it, it was was like we, we were ready to do the rest of the book almost without speaking, like just t- telepathically communicating. A, uh, um, we, not that we didn't speak, we were, <laughs> there's thousands of emails. But um, yeah, I think once we hit, hit the tone, we were, we were home free. Wow, that's wonderful. Well, I guess, I mean, I could go on and on about this, but if you're, if you're listening, um, you know, and, and this has just come out, or even you're listening to this years later, uh, Obscura, by Luke Cartwright and Wukash uh, Nuchek. Uh, it's it's amazing. Where can folks find it? If they're, you know, depending on when they're listening to this, is, is where are you guys really wanting to direct people to buy it? I don't think it matters to us, but you can buy it from uh, conglomerates like Barnes & Noble and Amazon. And uh, hopefully some smaller places will pick it up as well, but it's being distributed by Ingram, so it's available everywhere. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. And, and we love talking to creators and especially when they can talk about a, a piece of work and a, a labor of love like this and, and, and really you know, kind of dive into it at a high level. It's, it's great. It's exactly what we, Todd and I started this podcast for. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you for your support and thank you for everyone listening. It certainly means a lot to Wukash and I after so many years for it to finally uh, get to people who seem to like it. So thank you. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I should ask too. Any anything to promote Instagram or anything else uh, other than the book that you guys want to shout out? We have an Instagram. We have a trailer that we'd all like uh, you to check out. It's uh, that was another part of the process. There's an animated trailer which you might have seen, Taylor. Yep. Uh, um, but uh, maybe Wilkash and I will be working together soon. I certainly hope so. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, those two guys, again, incredibly talented. I can't wait to see what they'll do next. If you want to pick up a copy of Obscura, you can find it on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy your books, as Luke mentioned. You can also go to ObscuraComic.com. That's O-B-S-C-U-R-A Comic.com. They have a really good uh, visual trailer for the book. Uh, This whole microsite is actually really cool. I've never seen uh, a graphic novel have such a really cool marketing piece. So definitely go there. You'll learn more about the book. You can buy it get plenty of examples of the art, uh, join your email list, all that good stuff. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you can subscribe wherever we are, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, all of those. Tell your friends, uh, give us feedback in our Instagram feed or shoot us an email. Uh, however you want to reach us, we'd love to hear what you think. And if you're a creator out there too that wants to uh, be on a future episode, let us know. Uh, Thanks, happy reading, and stay healthy out there. We'll be back next week.